Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The volume. Just a reminder that you can catch me recording this podcast live on AMP. AMP is the new live radio app that lets you call in and chat with me in person while I'm recording. Get the app on Apple's App Store, and make sure you follow me at Chris Mannix to get notified when I go live. Well, the NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet 5 bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bet. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. My game this week is the New England Patriots. Took a bad loss against Dallas last week. They're giving a point and a half over the Saints. I'm buying into Bill Belichick. I'm buying into Mac Jones having a bounce back week this week against the Saints. So get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code Mannix. New customers can score $250 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five on the NFL. That's code Mannix, M-A-N-N-I-X, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensed partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario, bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, this is Three Points with Chris Mannix, part of the Volume Sports Podcast Network. We are live on AMP. Uh, as always, you can make sure to get the first listen of all the Volume Podcasts on AMP. Subscribe to the Volume feed there. Subscribe to my feed there at Chris Mannix as well. So the most interesting team in the league is more often than not going to be the Lakers. Is there, even when they're good, they're bad. It's always interesting. But this year, I think, could be especially interesting because the Lakers – had themselves what most believe is a pretty good offseason and have put around 
a soon-to-be 39-year-old LeBron James, a team that should compete at a high level. The highest level? Let's get into that. Bring in Yovan Buha. Does a great job covering the Lakers over at The Athletic. Uh, And Yovan, let's start right at the top of the offseason. You know, I guess first let's run through what the Lakers did this offseason, the offseason moves uh, that they've made. Uh, They got Anthony Davis re-signed to a contract extension. Austin Reeves re-signed. D'Angelo Russell re-signed. Rui Hashimura re-signed. They signed Gabe Vincent as a free agent. They picked up Torian Prince, Jackson Hayes, Cam Reddish. So they fleshed out their roster with a few different guys. They lost Dennis Schroeder, uh, Lonnie Walker IV, Malik Beasley, and Troy Brown. So I guess my first question to you is, did the Lakers have a good offseason? Are they a better team on paper now than they were at the end of last season? Yes, uh, I think so. I'm with the consensus here. Uh, We recently just did grades for the athletic and I gave the Lakers an A minus. I think if you look at what uh, general manager and vice president of basketball operations, Rob Palenka has continually said over the past few months, uh, this team's goal was to establish some baseline level of continuity. And I think you saw that with the resignings of Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, D'Angelo Russell, them extending Anthony Davis, uh, and then them upgrading along the fringes of the the rotation where uh, for me, Gabe Vincent and Dennis Schroeder are probably similar types of players in the aggregate, uh, but I like Gabe's pull-up shooting ability, uh, his ability to run pick and roll, and just his, his catch and shoot uh, as a weak side threat. Uh, so I look at Gabe as at least an offensive upgrade over Dennis with, with what the Lakers need. I think Torian Prince is an upgrade over that Troy Brown, Malik Beasley, Lonnie Walker spot. I think he gives them some more size and versatility uh, as that kind of swing guy in the front court. Uh, and then I look at Christian Wood as you know, comparing him to a Wenyan Gabriel or a Tristan Thompson. Uh, I think you're going to get a, a lot more uh, consistency from that backup center spot. And if Anthony Davis goes down, which we know he probably will at some point, uh, you can have a Christian Wood step in and get you 20 and 10 uh, for like a 10 to 15 game stretch while AD is out, similar to what Thomas Bryant did for the Lakers last year uh, when AD went down. So I think overall, this is a better roster. This is a deeper roster. They have continuity, which they have not had in the LeBron and AD era. I think if you look year over year, it's always a new roster. They're sometimes returning you know, two or three guys. This year, they are returning most of that core that helped them during the playoffs. Uh, now, to your point about you know, where are they in the contender sphere? Uh, obviously, there was the, the big deal today with Damian Lillard. And uh, I already had Milwaukee and Phoenix ahead of the Lakers. Uh, I think they'll still be ahead of the Lakers. Uh, so for me right now, I have them third in the West behind Denver and Phoenix and fifth overall behind those two teams and Milwaukee and Boston. Yeah, you mentioned continuity, and it still is a little baffling to me that after winning a championship in 2020, the Lakers proceeded to slowly deconstruct that roster. It's like they had a thing that worked and they did everything they could to dismantle it and break it apart. I think bringing the band back, so to speak, was was the right move. And, you know, when I was putting together part of the SI preview issue, I had some coaches kind of pushing back on the Laker offseason. They were like, look, it's not that good. They had some lateral moves there. Um, you know, Christian Wood, you know, deeply flawed defensively, as we well know. But, uh, you know, I think continuity does matter with this team. And I like some of the guys that they signed. I'm with you on Gabe Vincent. That was a starting point guard on a finals team. That's not nothing. That's a guy that can play that position in big games. Torian Prince, 3 and D guy, that, that's 
it's a it's an upgrade, I think, over Lonnie Walker, despite the fact that Lonnie had some great moments with the Lakers in the playoffs. And look, Jackson Hayes, Cam Reddish, they haven't shown much at this point in their career, but they're former lottery picks uh, that are going to get an opportunity to play off two of the greatest players in the game. That can only benefit them. So I think they've made some... I think they've made all the right moves. And this this really is a continuation of what Rob Plank has been consistently saying over the last four or five months, that we value our guys. We're not looking to shake things up. We're not looking to change things up. I mean, that you know, do you get the same sense that like regardless of, of what they could do, continuity and making sure they had uh you know, developing chemistry with these guys seems to have taken on a greater importance for the Lakers, you know, in the last five, six months than it has at any point in time over the last couple of seasons. Definitely. And that's why I think you, you have to, I don't want to say grade their offseason on a curve, but in comparison to previous offseasons, when, as you pointed out, they have torn down the roster, they have chased the shiny object of uh, after the championship season, trying to get Dennis Schroeder to be their, their starting point guard and, and sort of changing the makeup of that team. Then the next offseason, they go off to Russell Westbrook and a bunch of aging veterans. Uh, that Then this past offseason, uh, I thought it made a little bit more sense, but ultimately that was a lot of vet, uh, vet minimum guys. And they had to wait until the trade deadline until they could ship out Russ and, and get back multiple rotation pieces. Uh, we should also mention uh, extended Jared Vanderbilt, who uh, mm. was a, a key defensive piece for them uh, as the number two defense after the trade deadline. So I think overall, if you look at, uh, again, the, the principal moves were retaining that core, extending, like now you have a window of you know whatever happens with LeBron in the future, whether he retires next summer, the, the following summer, whenever, uh, you have a, a core now with Anthony Davis, Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, Gabe Vincent, uh, you know, potentially D'Angelo Russell and Jared Vanderbilt of you, you've, you've got guys who have been in on a team that's made a, a deep playoff run. Uh, you, you've got guys that now have some continuity and, and chemistry together. And I think you just kind of can slot in a star there uh, and it all makes sense. So to me, they are, are set up really well, you know, for the, the short term and the long term uh, with their potential cap flexibility down the road. So I think Rob Plinka, really the, the bulk of the work was at the trade deadline. And I think you're, you're just seeing a continuation of that. Uh, but for them to preach continuity and actually back it up, I think that's a win for them. And uh, again, I think they're on that short list with Denver and Phoenix as uh, legitimate threats to come out of the West right now. Let's look at the half empty uh, side of all this, the other side of the coin. Um, where are the weaknesses in your mind? I mean, they don't have much size up front and to get through the Western Conference, presumably going to have to go through Denver and Nikola Jokic once again. Christian Wood, very good offensive player, but uh, as we said, deeply flawed defensive player to the point where I I'm not sure you can keep him on the floor in in any kind of, of meaningful minutes in, in a postseason game. Uh, where, are the, where, where are the weaknesses right now with this Lakers team to you? To me, it's on the defensive side, uh, which is interesting for a group that was number two uh, after the trade deadline and, and you know, really built their identity around their defense. And uh, just offensively, they, they've kind of been able to always get by with, we have LeBron, we have AD, they're going to figure it out offensively. And we kind of saw that in the Memphis and Golden State series. Uh, but for me, it's it's the perimeter defense to the extent that uh, Jared Vanderbilt, I think, you know, we, we saw in the playoffs, he really struggled offensively when, when teams started to ignore him and, and play off of him. And until he becomes at least a, a competent corner three point shooter, I think there are some limitations to how much he can play 
on a contending uh, offense. Uh, and then I also look at, uh, I, I think Gabe is a solid defender, but the, it's still a bit of a downgrade going from uh, Dennis Schroeder to, to Gabe Vincent. Uh, I thought Dennis, his ball pressure, uh, you know, ball hawking guys, 94 feet and, and really setting the tone for them defensively, uh, especially in crunch time. Uh, he, he was a key defender for them. I think they're going to miss some of that and, and just some of the energy that he brought. Uh, and then you, you mentioned it, like for me, it's still the interior where I look at how this team matches up with Denver and I think they're they're better in part because of the shooting. So I think Denver really packed the paint against them and just said, you know, we're not we're not going to uh, guard any of your shooters at the three point line. And and you know, if Troy Brown or, or Lonnie Walker or whoever beats us, like so be it. Uh, so I think they they have some some more weapons there to make a team like Denver pay for that strategy. But defensively. Christian Wood and Jackson Hayes are not reliable defenders. I mean, Christian Wood, part of the reason why this is a guy who just averaged 16 points, eight rebounds on a block, shot almost 40% on threes, and he's a vet minimum guy. Uh, Jackson Hayes has bounced around and talking to some people in New Orleans, like he was basically their fourth string center at times last year and was not a, a consistent guy in the rotation. So looking at those two guys, if Anthony Davis goes down for an extended period of time, like they can probably get by offensively with Christian Wood, but defensively, I don't know how they survive in a playoff setting for even eight to 10 minutes uh, w- without AD out there. So that's really the big one for me is the interior defense, you know, the, the rim protection and the defensive rebounding. I think Denver slaughtered them on the glass, and, and that was a, a big concern that I don't think they've yet uh, resolved. Yeah, Christian Wood has been jettisoned by several bad teams already uh whether it's detroit houston he was on charlotte for a minute dallas didn't have uh didn't have room for him didn't want him back this year uh there's obviously a reason for that it's his defensive limitations that that have kept him off the floor see if he can fit into a role with the lakers but you know when you talk about the interior we are talking about anthony davis and what he's going to be able to do and what he needs to do with this team. I thought Anthony Davis in the games that LeBron was out was just excellent, especially that stretch in March when LeBron went down with that foot injury. 20 games uh, that AD played without LeBron averaged almost 28 points, 14 rebounds, two plus assists, um, you know, really strong numbers. And in March when he was, when LeBron was sidelined, you know, I wouldn't call it a changing of the guard, but you start to see signs of like, look, maybe AD can be the guy that, you know, can, you know, ascend to the number one role in this team as LeBron descends into a number two role. Does that have to happen with this Lakers team? I mean, LeBron's going to be 39 at end of December. Does Anthony Davis this year have to ascend to a role where he is the number one option? He's the number one guy and LeBron can take something of a backseat with this group. I think so. I think even if you go back to November and December, I remember writing a couple stories on on this, uh, you know, quote unquote, changing of the guard where it was like for the first time it, it felt in the LeBron 80 era, AD was the guy leading the offense. If you looked at that stretch, AD was averaging more field goal attempts than LeBron. And, and he was more of that focal point that he has never really been in, in the LA era. Of course, in, in the bubble, he shot the ball really well and, and he was a monster and he's still really, really good uh, in that top 10 conversation. But I think it had always been LeBron's team. The offense had always been LeBron. And with LeBron, you're always going to play a certain style. And I think that's just kind of how it goes. But uh, for me, I think Anthony Davis, uh, now we were talking about the defense. Like th- that's the the one sort of gray area for me of he just has such a burden on that end that it's really tough to have him put out all these fires and, and you know, guard 
one through five on certain possessions uh, defensively, and then okay, go be the focal point. And uh, like you know, I look at a guy like Jokic, and and of course, you know, to me, he's the best player in the league right now. Uh, but he doesn't have the same defensive you know burden that Anthony Davis has. So I think you know maybe him playing at the four alleviates some of that, and they just have a little bit more collective size where they can get away with him not having to do as much defensively and, and maybe taking on more offensive responsibility. But I think when people look at some of the offensive inconsistency, uh, I think defensively he, he's been an ace and, and he's been amazing. Uh, so, you know, that's just not the side of the ball that gets talked about as much, but uh, for him, I think, you know, for the Lakers, like it's gotta be about keeping those guys healthy. They both are, you know, you kind of pencil them in for missing 20 plus games uh, <laughs> with, with the way the last few years have gone. So, you know, for me, part of that with LeBron is how do I take some of the, you know, how do I take the ball out of his hands? Well, you give it more to Austin Reeves. You give it more to D'Angelo Russell. Uh, how do I take some of the shot creation uh, off his plate? Okay, well, more of that to Austin Reeves, more of that to Anthony Davis. So I think it's a it's a cumulative thing with, with taking the load off of LeBron. But it first and foremost, it should be Anthony Davis. He has shown in the past, I mean, go back to New Orleans. Like he was a legit number one option uh, in the playoffs and in the regular season. Like, I, and I think he didn't have to maybe do as much defensively with, with some of the limitations the Lakers have had recently. But uh, I think if they can find that sweet spot of getting him more involved offensively, I think that's where you unlock this team's championship ceiling. Did Nady show you something different last year? Because, you know, look, he, he's always got, he's going to have this reputation of being fragile, you know, forever, it seems like. And, uh, it's well-earned in a way. It seems like he's always battling some kind of injury, but especially in the second half after the All-Star break, I thought I saw a guy that played through a lot, you know, whether it's an ankle sprain, foot injuries, you know, bumps and bruises. He seemed to be uh, more willing to play through pain, more able, I guess, to play through pain than I've seen him over the last couple of years with the Lakers. What did you see from Aiden? Did you see maybe a tougher version from him last season? 100 percent uh that i believe he played 29 consecutive games which yeah. was the longest and the stretch. only the only games he took off i think were just kind of those mandated games right where yeah. it was like a first yeah, end the, of a back-to-back back back back. second yeah. back-to-back exactly so he wasn't playing back-to-backs for for large portions of last season but uh he, he had a stretch there of about 29 ga- consecutive games that was his longest stretch of consecutive games since 2017 18 back in new orleans so longer than any stretch he had in la uh, you know, prior to that point. So I, I think Anthony Davis is well aware of his reputation. It, it drives him crazy. Uh, obviously, he you know he's not load managing just to sit games out or to take the easy. Like he he's had legitimate knee, ankle, foot injuries over the past few years, uh, and I, I think it, it's taken a bit of a toll on him mentally. Where you know every time he comes back from an injury, we talk to him about. What was the rehab process like? You know, what what was it like sitting out as your team is struggling and, and clearly needs you out there on the floor? And he's just talked about how hard that's been for him to deal with. So, you know, he he's heard the street clothes nickname. He he doesn't like it. Uh, it bothers him. But I, I think he showed last year the way to push through. You know, pu- push back on that narrative is to just play and, and play through injury. And to me, he wasn't a hundred percent. He didn't look a hundred percent at times. Uh, he was still dealing with that bone spur uh in, in his foot that cost him a, you know a bit a month and a half or so uh last year and uh he pushed through that and, and was you know for my money the, the best defender in the playoffs last year and and uh, you know the key reason the Lakers made the conference finals was because how dominant their defense was and how Memphis and Golden State couldn't solve 
how great Anthony Davis was on that end of the floor. So uh, I, I thought, again, you know, you want to see more offensive cons- uh, consistency from him. You want to see the jump shot come back. That's been gone basically for three years now. But even that aside, he's so special on the defensive end. And I, I think he he finally showed like, uh, you know, screw the narrative, screw all the outside noise. I'm just going to play through this. And uh, again, when LeBron and AD are reasonably healthy and you give them a competent supporting cast, I think we've seen now they're likely going to make a deep playoff run. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's talk about LeBron. Um, and let's start in the context of Anthony Davis. Let's say Davis is the guy we saw at the end of last season for most of this year, where he's giving you 25 to 28 points per game, double-digit rebounds, defending, playing like the guy we saw in New Orleans. So I think I think at this stage, Anthony Davis is still capable of doing that. He's not as young as he used to be, but he's still in the prime of his career. W- with the talent around them, like what's an ideal role for LeBron with this group and at this point in his career, like I said, going to turn 39 years old, end of December, uh, still one of the greatest players in the game, still one of the top, whatever you want to say, 10, 15, 20 players in the game right now, still able to dial it up in the last three or four minutes and become arguably the best player in the game. But what do you think the Lakers want to do with LeBron this year? What's an ideal role for him with this group? I think it's continuing to take the load off his plate. Uh, using, you know, they, they want to run more of the offense through Austin Reeves. That's something that I spoke with Austin about earlier in the offseason when I went out to Vegas for the who, who would have thought that, by the way? Who, who would have thought that like three years ago? We're, ha- we're having a conversation <laughs> about we're going to take the load off LeBron James by running our offense through Austin Reeves. Who would have thought it's, that would be a topic for discussion in 2023? 
it's insane. It, it's absolutely insane, but it, it just shows the, the meteoric rise that he's had over really over the last few months, uh, going back to the trade deadline. He, he was, I think, the, the biggest uh, beneficiary of the, the Russell Westbrook trade was, and then LeBron goes down shortly after and, and Austin ascends. But I think you're going to see the ball more in his hands. You're going to continue to see it in D'Angelo Russell's hands uh, as I think D'Angelo, of course, there are playoff limitations. And I think that's something that this organization is going to have to potentially resolve, uh, you know, in, in the trade market. Uh, but in the regular season, he, he's a great innings eater for just, you know, he can get you 18 and six any given night. And, and he's shown at least in the regular season, he, he's a pretty consistent guy. Uh, and then as we just mentioned, making AD more the focal point. So I, I think last year you saw LeBron really transition more off the ball, uh, a lot more playing on the weak side, a lot more uh, back cuts. Like I think one of the the most underrated parts of his game is his cutting ability, and that was something Miami really unlocked uh, when they were kind of figuring out, you know, how do we make him and Dwayne Wade work as co ball handlers? And part of that was uh, when LeBron puts his head down, he, he's bigger, faster, and stronger than than most of the guys guarding him, uh, and he can find a way to get to the rim. And then once he's there, uh, he, he's statistically one of the best finishers ever. And, and that's where you see, uh, you know, you get LeBron on a back cut, head of steam going to the rim. He's going to get fouled. He's going to finish. And, and it's a high percentage play. So for me, it's, it's finding more ways to do that stuff. And then, of course, in the playoffs, uh, in fourth quarters, in, in crunch time, you still want the ball going through him a healthy amount and, and him and AD playing a two-man game. But during the regular season, first quarters, uh, second quarters, third quarter, like you, you want to find ways to, to get him some rest and, and not have him have to feel like he has to do everything, which has sort of been some of the the past issues with this Lakers team has been you know, why they wanted a Dennis shooter, why they wanted a Russell Westbrook, why they wanted a Kyrie Irving was because LeBron has felt like he's had to carry the offense himself uh, to, to such a large extent. So I think getting Austin and, and unlocking him, unleashing some of the stuff we saw in the second half of last year, uh, D'Lo having a full training camp and and being able to to fully grasp Darvin Ham's offense and, and what the Lakers want from him. And then Anthony Davis, again, kind of continuing to uh, pass the baton to him. Uh, I think those are the ways you, you, you kind of save LeBron's legs. Uh, one way I'll say not to do it is to play two big lineups with LeBron at the three and then go ask him to defend a Kevin Durant, a yeah. Jason Tatum, a Kawhi Leonard. So, you know, that that's maybe a topic for uh, another podcast. But to <laughs> me, the, the two big thing just doesn't really make a lot of sense, especially with LeBron out there. He still plays a staggering amount of minutes, right? Like only played 55 games last year, but averaged 35 and a half minutes per game. That's what a couple minutes more than he averaged two years ago, a minute more than he averaged the year before that. Like he still plays a lot of minutes with this team, I feel like that's got to be the priority. I mean, you want to reduce the number mm -hmm. of games when he's out there. Like uh, under 30 would be ideal. And I'm sure he'll fight it. You know, the guy wants to play when he's out there on the floor, but especially in the first half, don't don't you have to keep his minutes down? You've got enough talent in this roster to to be able to to do that. If everybody's healthy, you can go eight or nine guys deep. I mean, to me, it's about yeah, it's about the number of games that he plays, but when he's out there on the floor. I don't want to see 30, 35 and a half minutes per game from LeBron James, from Darvin Ham, and I'm Rob Palenka. I want to see between 29 and 31, and I'd be pretty happy with that. Oh, I, I totally agree with you. I, I think, I mean, that that's, I, I was thinking more like on the court, how you uh, can reduce his workload, but it, it starts with the minutes and, and, yeah. and maybe even the games of, of 
Um, you know, I, again, the the load management and, and the resting stuff is is a uh, you know it's it's very polarizing right now. And uh, but LeBron fits the the criteria of a guy who can rest technically based on his age and and how many minutes he's played. And I think you have to look long and hard of maybe not every back to back, but there should be certain back to backs that he just doesn't play because of his age. And uh, again, I think you know going back to that playoff run. LeBron came back after four weeks uh, after suffering that foot injury and to me was never the same offensively. He, he had some moments, uh, I think, of game four against Denver near 40-point triple-double. Uh, but aside from a few games here and there, was never quite the same player offensively. And to me, again, you don't want to put him in bubble wrap because th- then your seat, you know, you're going to be a six or seven seed. But if you can find the, the balance of, you know, can he rest against uh, a Houston or a San Antonio or or whoever on a back-to-back and we can just go out and, and this is the night that D'Angelo Russell is more involved offensively or Christian Wood is more involved offensively and, and we have these guys who can step up. That to me is, is the formula for the Lakers being a 50-plus win team, having home court advantage in the playoffs, yet also having LeBron and AD to a lesser extent healthy come playoff time where you can rely on those guys to then put you know the, the offense and the defense on their back. And that's how you make a deep playoff run. You think that should be prioritized, the home court advantage, you know, getting inside that top four. Uh, we did see the Lakers last year go from the seven seed all the way to the conference finals. Uh, how much of a priority do you think that's going to be? Like, you know, winning the regular season, getting into that top four. I think it's a priority for them. I think if you ask them, would they rather have those guys healthy and yeah. not have home court advantage, of course, they're going to take the health. But I think on the one hand, it was impressive what they did, winning those first two series uh, on the road, you know, not have going in in game one in both instances and, and punching the, you know, punching first Memphis in the mouth and, and then punching Golden State in the mouth. But I also think you saw in that Denver series, like it would have been nice to have had those first couple of yeah. games in L.A. And I think it it ultimately caught up to them. It's just hard. Like there's a reason why we don't see six, seven, and eight seeds, you know, win the finals, make a finals run. Like it's very hard to do. I think eventually it catches up to you on a playoff run. So for me, just all the travel playing in those environments, like I think all that stuff ultimately worked against them at some point. So I think for them, it's going to be, let's get out. Go Like, I mean, you look at the year they won the championship. They were the one seed. They were dominant from start to finish. And I think that for them made things a little bit easier having home court throughout the whole playoffs. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it definitely hurt them in that Denver series. No question about that. If they had a couple of games first at home, who knows? I mean, Denver was really good, but that was certainly uh, got them off on the wrong foot. Um, the other thing I want to hit you on is is LeBron's career now at this point. You were sitting there, end of the Denver series, when LeBron kind of just dropped that grenade in the media room where he said, I got to think about my future, suggesting perhaps he might not come back. I think we all kind of believe he would. Um, you know, it just seemed unlikely he was going to walk away uh, at sitting in a position like that. But now here, as we sit here, kind of with him approaching 39, um, and with the uncertainty around Bronny, I think that is taken into account as well. You know, Bronny, we hope, is going to be fully healthy to play for the USC this season, you know, that he can pick up right where he left off before that uh, near tragedy. But, you know, for LeBron, you think there's any chance we could be looking at the final year I personally think that he's going to go out the way Dwayne Wade went out, where he's going to announce it. He's going to say, I'm going to get my farewell tour, you know, like Kobe Bryant ultimately went out as well. So I think it's it's unlikely. But do you think there's any chance that that with a player option on his contract for next year that we could be seeing LeBron's last year? 
I think there's a chance, but I'm with you in that. I think he's going to announce it, and it's going to be yeah. a farewell tour situation. I think camera crews following him around. For sure, it'll be a whole. It'll be the whole night. I mean, he's like got a, his a biographer with him. It's like, yeah, yeah. He, he's got his documentary crew, uh, you know, following him around at all times. Uh, it, it's been really one of the more interesting uh, dynamics since we were let back in the locker room <laughs> last year. Was any conversation you have with LeBron on or off the record is being filmed. Uh, so all that stuff is, is going to be part of uh, his future documentary. So I, I think he's going to announce it. Um, I'm sure that that retirement uh, contemplation will be also a story uh, plot, you know, plot point in his documentary. But um, I think it comes down to a couple of factors. I think one is going to be how competitive the Lakers are. I think part of him saying that was in the moment I mean, I mean, again, I, I said it earlier, like he had a 40 point near triple double and they still got swept. They, they yeah. still couldn't win one game in that series. And I think there was part of him that was facing his basketball mortality. And and just like LeBron James has that performance in previous seasons. The Lakers win that game. And, and the LeBron James of old, like the Lakers find a way to beat Denver anyway, despite maybe not having as good of a roster. And like that was just how singularly great he was. Uh, you know, up until maybe last season. But again, year 20, age 38, like, you know, what are realistic expectations for him? Uh, so I, I think for him, if the Lakers fall short again or or fall embarrassingly short, uh, despite having a better roster on paper, d- d- despite being contenders, uh, that's where I think he contemplates his future again. Uh, and then there's the Bronny situation with, with just, um, you know, how does he bounce back? Is he able to return to USC this season? Is he able to return next season? Uh, what does his NBA future look like? Because as we know, one of the things keeping LeBron uh, you know, energized and, and uh, going right now is, uh, of course, winning more championships, but it was the thought of potentially playing with Bronny either on the same team or at least sharing the same floor with him. And if that uh, you know, it ends up not being a, a realistic scenario, then I, I think for him, it might just be another year or two of let me see if I can win another ring, go out on a high note. And then, you know, that's it. So uh, I think he's going to play at at least two more years. Uh, But uh, I think that the brawny factor right now is the situation uh, that I think is really going to swing things of if if he can, you know, if he's able to return and and of of course his health comes first uh, and, you know, return to being a, a first round prospect, and eventually make the NBA, I think LeBron tries to wait it out until Bronny's eligible to play. If not, and he can't return or his career is never the same, then I think it's probably a shorter two to three year window for LeBron. Could you really see LeBron playing in like Detroit? Like let's say the Pistons draft Bronny with like the ninth pick in the 2024 NBA draft. I mean, do you could you really see LeBron following through on some of the stuff he's suggested in the past and going wherever he has to go to play with his son? It's a great question. I'm not sure. I think <laughs> you know my, my kind of read on the situation has been he softened his stance on specifically playing with Bronny. Mm. Uh, I think if, if you look playing at the his league comments, with him now, man. Yeah, if you look at his comments throughout the season, I, I, you know, for years now, it's really been, I want to play with Bronny, I want to play with Bronny. But then throughout the season, it progressively became more of, uh, like he got asked after Bronny committed to USC, uh, it was in the the Golden State series. Uh, you know, a c- couple questions about it, and he was basically like, you know, that's my dream to play on the same team as him, but I don't know if it's my son's dream, and I have to honor his dream and and his wishes. So that to me was a little bit of him softening it. Of like, 
I would love to share the floor with him and it would be great. You know, maybe I'm on the Lakers, he's on another team and we play each other and uh, you know, it's going to be a, a spectacle. Uh, but I don't know if it necessarily means he's going to go to Detroit or Orlando <laughs> or OKC and, and, you know, I mean, it, it would be something it would, it would be, it'd be weird. Uh, it'd be weird, <laughs> but uh, I, I think he's going to stay in LA uh, and, and like ultimately it's just gonna be them sharing the floor and that's going to be a really cool moment. Be, be weird seeing him like in Portland, finishes his career with the Blazers and, and Brody James. Be something, but uh, I don't see that happening either. Uh, Lakers, never boring. Going to be a great season to, to watch them and to cover him. Yovan Bua with The Athletic. Follow him there. Follow him on social media all season long. Yovan, good to catch up, man. I'll, uh, I appreciate the time, and I'll see you soon. Appreciate it, Chris. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.